I want to pray for us. Not as the last resort, as a first resort. Father, thank you for this morning. And it's our genuine desire, above everything else, to know you and to meet with you. Thank you that you've given us your word. What a gift it is. It's food, it's life, it's able to challenge, convict, profitable for every good thing. So I pray this morning, Lord, that you really would do a fresh work in our hearts. You'd open our eyes to see you. You'd open our hearts to know you and to love you. Father, thank you that you love us so much just the way that we are, but you love us far too much to leave us there. So do whatever you desire to do in us for the glory of your name, that we might look more like you, smell more like you, that we might be the light of the world, shining brightly, ever more brightly in the days, weeks, months, years ahead, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. James, 5, chapter, uh, James chapter 5, verse 7, let's join together. And James, of course, he's coming towards the end of this letter that we've read. I did have a joke to share with you, and genuinely it was prepared. It was ready to go. I know I don't normally do it, and I don't know what happened to it, so it's obviously not from the Lord. So let's, let's get straight into the text. He says this, be patient. We should just mention this is not a suggestion. He's not saying, look, it would be advisable if on the odd occasion you could practice some patience. This is a command. It's a, a direct exhortation that he's giving his people, Pastor James, to his church and to us as we read these words. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. We'll pause there for a moment. We'll continue. But let's just think about this whole notion of patience. Always good at times to start with a definition. I've got one for you. What does it mean for us to be patient? Lots of good definitions all along similar themes, but one is this. The ability to bear provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss, temper, irritation, or the like. It's the ability to stand unmoved, unflustered, regardless of whatever might come against us or present itself in our way. In contrast, who wants a definition of impatience? <laughs> well, here's one for you. Impatience is the intolerance or restlessness concerning anything that thwarts, delays, or hinders. Anybody know a little bit of that from time to time? The odd moment, just the odd occasion. Are we a patient people or are we an impatient people? It's worth us asking that question as we consider the words of James. And I was thinking just this week, it's interesting that we live in a world that is so efficient. Everything is geared towards convenience and efficiency. I opened the mail this week and I told a story, a sad story, a very sad tale about a month ago now about my car. And I had to cancel the registration and everything. And it came to me this week in the mail as a check. Who remembers checks? Those funny little things written on a piece of paper. I showed my kids and they were wide open eyes. I said, what is that? What is a check? I had to explain. It's this piece of paper, you know, that they send you. And I take it into the bank and then they put the money in my account. 
I said, that's amazing. Can I have one of those bits of paper? <laughs> but I remember as I was, I was thinking through this, as my first job that I ever had was delivering papers around my neighbourhood. Who did a, like a little paper run job back in the day? And at the end of the week, either I'd get a, a cheque or I'd get cash in hand. It was one or the other. There was no direct deposits into bank accounts. And so every week I'd have to take it along and fill in the little form at the bank and give it to the cashier and then slowly but surely it would eventually be debited to my account. Whereas these days, the efficiency, you don't even have to go into a bank anymore. I've got, every, I've got an app for everything. So I open the iPad, don't even have to log in anymore, it just scans my face. And then bang, there's my bank account details. It's a little bit scary, isn't it? I think. Anyway, moving on. It's, it's an efficient world. Things are so much more efficient than they were even a decade ago, let alone a generation ago. And yet for all of our efficiency, are we any more patient? I would suggest the ultimate irony is that the faster everything gets, it seems the more impatient that we can become as people. All of a sudden we want and we expect everything now. Two minutes to wait is two minutes too long. Has anyone had some frustrating moments of impatience? Maybe you were waiting for your web page to load. You're on Facebook looking up a little video of penguins. Throwing in the towel because it's taking two minutes for this video to load on your computer. Or Netflix in the middle of a movie. All of a sudden it's reloading, recalibrating. And you think, my world's going to end. What do I do when Netflix is not working? Perhaps someone jumped in the queue before you, whatever it might be. I would suggest that more and more we are becoming an impatient people, just in general. Or maybe it's not that we're more impatient, but it's our expectation of efficiency and convenience has caused this desire that had always been there, or this impatience to rise in new ways. Because I would suggest as a society, we've lost the art of patience. I would suggest personally that in my life, as I've thought about this, as I've examined my own heart before bringing us the word, there is a tendency, a tendency in me often to be an impatient person. In fact, I think as I look back at my life, who would love to be able to just redo some parts of your life again? Say, Lord, can we have, you know, maybe a 10-year rewind or review every, every decade or so? But I think one of the things more than anything else that I would tell to a younger me would be just be patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. So I want us to think about this. Why is it that James here is commanding patience to his people? Why is it that it is so important and what does it mean and look like for us in our lives? And first of all, what, what application is James talking about? He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until when? Until your web page loads, until you get to the front of the coffee queue? He says, no, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Until the coming of the Lord. Who thinks that's 2,000 years and counting? That's a fair bit of patience, right? He's saying, be patient in everything and through everything until the Lord returns. And, and 
in view here is not just the until, until the Lord. In here, very much, is also the because. Not just until he comes, but because he is coming. He's coming. See, it's, it's funny how at times it's easy to be patient if the circumstances are something that we really want or desire. For example, men, sometimes it's very easy to wait three hours for, a lot easier to wait three hours for a bite as you're out in the boat fishing than it is to wait three minutes for your wife as she gets ready and she's holding you up to get out the door. I don't know by personal experience, but I do have four girls and I'm learning there's a process. I don't understand the process, but there's a process, so pray for me. Or maybe at times it can be easy to wait a long time in a queue. Say, for example, for those who are into technology, people camp out overnights to get the latest device or for something you really want. 12 hours so I can have a new phone, the latest phone. And yet how do we go waiting 12 minutes in traffic? Frustrated. I've got, a, I've got somewhere to be. It's unbelievable. So impatient. See, patience is possible in certain circumstances, isn't it? If we keep in mind what we're being patient for. So that's what James is saying. He's saying, remember that the Lord is coming. And in fact, in a few verses time, he'll say, the coming of the Lord is, is at hand. Like it's, it's tangible. It's so close, you can taste it. He's saying, just remember this. It's not going to be that long. And we'll be standing before him. You won't be sitting here listening to my sermons anymore. Praise the Lord. We'll all be together in glory, whether he returns or whether he calls us home. This life is gone in a flash. That's where we're headed. Before we know it, we will be celebrating and feasting from the banqueting table of the Lord with the saints of the ages, cheering on those people who are down here in our shoes now. And if we grab a hold of that reality, then sometimes... It makes being patient now in the moment a lot easier. So be patient until the coming of the Lord. And very graciously, James is going to give us two pictures to help us with our patience. The first one we find here in the second half of verse 7. He says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So here's the first picture. It's a picture of a farmer. And if you want to summarize this into something that hopefully you can grab a hold of, it's simply this. Patience embraces. It embraces the seasons and it embraces the process. Who's ever heard the saying, I remember hearing this at times as I grew up, the one thing you never ask God to give you is what? Patience. Is patience. Why? Why would we not ask God for it? Well, that's right. Because if you pray for patience, then the Lord's going to give you some opportunities to practice patience. Unfortunately, patience is not a gift. There's not an app that can be downloaded. Patience is produced through a process. See, it is a fruit of the Spirit but if we pray for patience, which we should actually pray for patience, but be expectant of that patience being produced through the process. In this instance, James gives us an example. He says, 
It's like this. It's like a farmer who's waiting to pick the harvest or receive the fruits of his crop. And this is how not only farming works, but James is saying this is how life works and certainly this is how the kingdom works. The seasons in the natural and in the spiritual, there are seasons. And for the farmer, as for us, try as he might, there is nothing he can do to speed up the process. There's nothing. He cannot cause the seasons to move any faster than they are ordained to move. He can try. He can head down there in the middle of the winter and say, well, I'm going to harvest my crops now. How much success is he going to have? Or maybe he gets frustrated and halfway through spring and the fruit's just budding on the vine and he goes down, well, I'm going to harvest the crops now. What does he end up with? At best, some immature, sour-tasting fruit. You see, either he's going to be frustrated or, worst case, he will ruin the whole crop. The only way the farmer is ever going to be successful is if he learns to embrace the seasons, to know when to sow, when to water, when to harvest. What, what is the season that we're in? And I'd make this observation. You see, patience is not passive. He's not saying be patient as in sit around on your haunches and do nothing. I'd say far more this is a picture that James is trying to get across of patience, that patience is fully embracing and living in each and every season. Learning to live in each and every season. The seasons are important, and every season is as important as the next. And part of the problem here is that we're so used to, in our convenience-driven world, where we're used to having things now. We're so removed from the process. Now, if, if I want to get fresh tomatoes, all I've got to do, and I love growing fresh tomatoes. Who loves growing fresh tomatoes? Fresh tomatoes ripe from the vine. There's just there's nothing like the, the sweetness and you know, the taste of genuine cow manure that I've fertilized with it. That's, anyway. But there's a process involved. I don't know how your tomato plants are looking, but mine are gone. There has been no fruit present on my tomato plants. There's still some dead remnants from last summer sitting in my garden beds, but there's been no fruit for many months. And yet I can go to the supermarket and I can purchase off the shelf what? Ripe, fresh tomatoes. And so I think we've developed this convenience mentality that shouldn't there be fresh tomatoes available all year round, regardless of what season there is? The problem is it doesn't work that way. If you want fresh tomatoes, there's a process to go through. There's a winter season where the, the ground needs to lie fallow and rest. There's springtime where the soil needs to be prepared and the seeds need to be planted. They need to be watered. There's exponential growth, but then as they grow up, you've got to prune and trim back to make sure things are growing well and soundly. And then eventually comes the harvest season. And we all like the harvest season. It's wonderful. There's nothing like fresh tomatoes. But we've got to not forget or lose sight of the process that needs to be walked through to get there. We don't want to get caught up in this convenience mentality that just because there's no fruit in the vine means that God's not doing anything. For the farmer to be effective, for us to be effective in our lives, it is crucial for us to recognize what season are we in? God, what are we doing? What is this season? 
Is it a season to sow? Is it a season to water? Is it a season of pruning? Is it, is it the season of, I mean, you don't want to be lazy even in harvest time because that's the time you've got to be active and busy. If you leave the fruit on the vine, it'll just rot and go to waste. We've got to be ready and knowing what season it is so that we can respond accordingly. I think I have seen more people frustrated and giving up on God because of this one specific reason than anything else. Because they've forgotten about the process. They haven't been able to embrace the process and the season that they're in. It's the middle of winter and we're heading outside in sunscreen and board shorts. How would that have gone for you this past week where it was the freezing, howling Canberra winter? You'd last about two seconds. Forget this. This is ridiculous. What is going on? God's clearly not here in the picture. Well, maybe he is. Maybe you're just not aware of the season that you're in. And so patience helps us, enables us to embrace the process and the seasons. And I'd make this observation. I've discovered that everything that's truly worth anything in this life is worth waiting for. It just is. Things in life, as in the kingdom, there is a process and they take time. And if we're just always after convenience, at best we'll be frustrated, at worst we'll actually abort the purposes and the plans of God that he has for us. So be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Like the farmer, embrace the seasons. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. What's the first thing we do? Well, let's talk about me just for a moment. What do you think the first thing I do is when I'm impatient? And maybe you're the same. I grumble. And I can be very good at grumbling. And do you know who I grumble to? Well, sometimes it's the government or the computer. or But normally it's the people closest to us. It's your spouse. It's your children. It's family members. It's the boss. It's the office workers. We can become very good grumblers. And the reality is it doesn't matter what season you're in. There's always going to be things to grumble about. Ever met those people? I know we're talking about seasons and weather. It doesn't seem to matter what the weather is, there's something to complain about. It's too hot, it's too sunny, it's too shady, it's too windy, it's too wet. It's everything but just right. See, if you're looking for things to grumble about, there'll be a never-ending supply. But nothing will leave us in that barren wilderness place as quickly as being a grumbling people. Either we're going to grumble or we're going to grow. And the choice is ours. If we embrace the seasons, then we can choose to grow. What are we doing in this season personally? As a church, God, what are you saying? What is the season? Are we sowing? Are we reaping? Are we harp? Where are we? We need to be, if we want to live boldly and effectively, a people who know how to embrace the process and the seasons. That's number one. Here's the second one. Let's move on. Do not grumble in verse 9. Verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider them blessed who remain steadfast. 
You've heard the steadfastness of Job and seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So here, rounding out this picture of patience, James gives us two examples, two interesting examples. He says, take the prophets and take Job. The prophets and Job. Who thinks this is going somewhere really interesting? How on earth do they take us to a place that encourages us about patience? Let's think about the prophets first of all. I mean, there's, there were some cool things that the prophets did. Like they were incredibly amazing people, but there was also some really weird, strange stuff. I mean, they had an interesting call from God. Take the prophet Jeremiah for an example. I was studying him recently. Forty years he spent with this message of tell people, warn them that judgment is coming. And so that's what he did. And he was spat upon and he was beaten and he was ridiculed. He was ostracized. He lost all his friends. Forty years. Imagine being given that call. And what happened at the end? Well, the people didn't listen. They rebelled against the nation of Babylon, and God brought the Babylonians in as an instrument of his judgment, and they were wiped off the map. Forty years of ministry, and what was his fruit? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Thank you very much, Lord. But I think not only Jeremiah, but so many of those prophetic people they are examples to us because they remained faithful. They persevered, whether it was popular, whether it was not, whether it was comfortable, whether it was not, whether they were seeing the fruit or whether they were seeing nothing at all. They knew what it was to be a patient people because this is the second point, because patience endures. Patience embraces and patience endures in season and out of season. Patience says, I am not being, I'm sticking here. doesn't matter what's happening there. I'm not going to be phased by that. I'm hanging on to what God has said to me. And here's our second example. So we move from the prophets to Job. Not sure if we're moving up or down. But how many people hold up Job as one of your biblical heroes? We've got David. We've got Moses and we've got Job. There was a hand up the back. Yeah, I think there's a lot in there, but let's be honest. Job is a challenging story. So often he's forgotten about him. We don't celebrate him. We don't name our kids after him. We avoid him because it's downright uncomfortable, this whole scenario of this guy who just loses everything. How is that supposed to be an encouragement? What is Job all about and how does it relate to patience well let's first of all talk about what job's not about in a snapshot because we've only got a few minutes left job is not i believe about answering the question of suffering so many people say well job's about giving us a perspective on suffering it's not if you go and delve into the book of job hoping to find an answer to suffering you will be sorely disappointed and frustrated and probably as confused as you began with. It's not. God does answer Job, but when he answers him, he sits Job down. He says, let me ask you a few questions. Let me give you some perspective. And basically says, Job, here's the problem. Even if I tried to tell you, you wouldn't understand. 
You just don't have the perspective that I have. But he does give him an invitation, not to understanding, but to trust in him, to trust him. So here's a guy, Job, he loses everything. He lost his wealth, he lost his family, he lost his reputation. Even eventually he loses his health. His friends are there. Who needs friends like Job? Even his wife says, Job, what are you being so righteous? Just curse God and die. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Just when I needed some words of encouragement. And yet still, despite all of that, some of the, the richness and the power of his proclamations. He says there right at the beginning, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. We know the end. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He continues on. He says, though he slay me, I will hope, some translations say, trust in him. You could take it all, you could take my life, but still my hope and my trust is in him. And of course, he finishes off at the end of the, this incredibly confronting saga. He counters God, God restores everything that he lost and more. And he says, you know, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen. See, what's, what is it all about? I would suggest this, the heart of the message of Job is simply this, that if you were ever to lose everything, and I pray that none of us ever have the Job anointing, where we literally lose everything, our health, our family, our wealth, everything that we have is gone. If ever we find ourselves in that place, Job tells us, and he discovers a God who is still enough. There's a God who is enough, not because of what he does for Job or did for Job or does for us, but he is a God who himself is enough. He is enough. He will forever be enough. His love never fails. His mercies are new each and every morning. Do we really know? That's a confronting challenge to us in the West. Do we really know that God who is enough? If we lost everything we had tomorrow, would he still be enough? Because that's what Job proclaims him to be, the God who's still enough. That's the first part. The second part is it doesn't matter how dark the circumstances, how great the suffering, how numerous the mistakes, whatever you find yourself in, there's a God who will find you in the midst of that place. That was Job's proclamation. He said, yeah, I'd, I'd heard about you, but my eyes have seen you. I have encountered you. Where? On the mountaintop? No. In success and prosperity? No. No, he said, I, I encountered you in the deepest, darkest pit when I just thought it was going to swallow me whole. Still you were there and still you pulled me through and pulled me out. Still you were working for my good. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. See, patience says we can be a people who endure. Even if we were ever in that place, and I pray that none of us are, he's still enough. He's still with us. He's still for us. And he's still working 
for our good if we would just anchor into his promise. Patience embraces the process and patience endures. Looking for the goodness of God, anchoring into the goodness of God in the midst of every circumstance that we face. I want to pray for us. Just put your Bibles away. If there's a worship team member or a few people can come out. Just close your eyes, turn your attention to the Lord and I hope that there's been in some way a stirring in our hearts about the importance about the priority of patience. And it may be for some of us here this morning that what that looks like for you is discovering afresh this patience that embraces the process. Maybe there's some frustrations thinking, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you are. I'm just trying. I'm looking for fruit and there's just no fruit. Just always looking for the next thing and the new thing. And it's so easy sometimes to be caught up as a people who are just looking for, we're looking for a new word. God, we need a new, a new, new, new. And that's not bad in and of itself, but I feel like sometimes God's like, well, what about the old one? What about the now one? How are you taking that? How are you planting that? How are you investing in it? Rather than just, 10 minutes down the track. Well, that did work. Need a new one. Need a new one, God. Maybe for some of us, that that's just the stirring of the Lord this morning. We say, no, I, I want to embrace the season that I'm in now. Not just always looking for summer and then when it's summer, looking for the cold, the winter again and always just grumbling about the now season. I just, my prayer is that there'd be a grace for us to embrace the season we're in. Maybe it's not a season issue, but it's an endurance issue. That there's just stuff going on and you're just struggling to remain patient in the midst of the opposition. You're feeling a bit like Job, like, God, could anything else be taken away? What have I got left? Well, let me tell you what you've got left. You've got the mighty hand of the outstretched arm of God watching over you. You've got the very spirit of the living God living in you. You've got the hope. A hope that can never be quenched, can never be put out, burning like a blazing fire in your soul. You've got Him, and He will always be enough. And if we just keep our eyes on the prize, it won't be long. You can almost taste it. it. May well be that He comes back in our lifetime. It may well be that He calls us home, but it's just around the corner. That's my motivation to persevere, to keep going, not, not giving up. Living for you, God, despite whether it's popular, whether I'm losing friends, whether stuff's... I'm persevering because my hope and my trust 
is in you and it's in you alone. So Father, I just pray for us this morning. May we hear this command of James to be patient. And I pray that you'd show each and every one of us here if there's any areas of our lives, any areas of of impatience that we need to just bring before you this morning. Making that fresh commitment to just embrace the process, learning to not only endure, but to find joy in each and every season. Pray that for some of us, Lord, there'd be fresh courage to endure, to just keep going on, pushing through, May we hear just the call of heaven and the saints of the ages cheering us on. Come on, you can do it. Keep going. Keep running the race. Keep your eyes on the prize. And may we be bold enough as a people to pray for patience. Give us patience. Give us whatever process we need that your perfect patience might be produced in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Make us a patient people. So this morning, you know, the altar's open. And uh, I prepped the prayer team before. And they'd love to, to pray for anyone, particularly in that area. If there's either of those two aspects, if there's other things to do with the season you're in, to do with embracing the process or enduring, persevering, And you know, this morning, I just need someone to stand with me and just pray. We'd love to do that. So if the prayer team could come up, that would be fantastic. I don't mind if that's one person here this morning. I don't mind if we all come forward. certainly know that I'm sure all of us could do with more patience. If there's anything else, of course, you're very welcome to come forward and receive prayer for anything. If you need healing in your body, if you just need a word of encouragement. The Lord is here this morning, and His heart is to meet with His people. So if you need prayer, now's the time to come. If not, bless you this week. I don't know if you guys have got a song or something to finish us off with. Great. Why don't we stand then? If you need prayer, come forward. The rest of us, we can just join in this last song together.